Hi, and welcome to the Sisters, Friends and Guests podcast, a podcast for Black women packed with interviews and conversations with other Black women. In this season of the podcast, we are focusing on Black women in leadership positions and the many forms leadership comes in. We're your co-hosts, Jackie, Lola, and I'm Sonia. On this week's episode, we're talking about leading women and the achievements of three Black women who are great influence and leadership. The three women that we have selected are Angela Davis, Josephine Baker, and Winnie Mandela. So I think if we could just start off by just saying why we admire these women leaders and what leadership qualities we think that they exhibited. If we start off by talking about Angela Davis, I think Sonia, you selected Angela Davis. Can you tell us why she inspires you and what leadership skills she has that you believe make her a great leader? Yeah, so I first came across Angela Davis in the early 2000s. I was with a cousin of mine. We were in New York in a t-shirt shop and they were prints of, you know, different celebrities and musicians, Michael Jackson and so forth. So I wanted to buy one of those. She suggested Angela Davis and I was like, who is she when she's at home? So she gave me a brief background of who she is and she immediately made an impression on me. So I've chosen her because she's an influential and intellectual black woman. Uh, Mm -hmm. Her work centers around issues regarding race, class, women's rights and advocating for the abolition of prisons. That alone, I think, it just has an impression on me. The fact that she's fought for all that stuff for people, not just for her, this is fighting for people's rights. She believes that people should be treated fairly and equally. She's an activist fighting for black women, black poor people and human rights. She's a professor. She was a Black Panther member. And I'm actually into the whole Black Panther movement. So that immediately, again, made an impression when she's also a revolutionist. So for all those reasons, I admire her. And so I'd like to honor her in this episode. Just all the things that I've mentioned those are all the the skills I see as somebody as a leader somebody who is able to influence she has a huge 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 following and to me that's what being a leader is somebody who's committed and passionate and she's accountable she's got integrity for the things that she believes in and all those reasons are the reasons why I think she makes a great leader I yeah I absolutely agree with you I went to see her at the South Bank and I think She's the only person I know who's received a standing ovation before uttering a word. As soon as she walked in, everybody mm-hmm. got on their feet and was actually clapping for a mm-hmm. good five minutes before she even said a word. And I absolutely agree with you. She really is inspirational in the work that she's done, keeping going for 60 years, trying to keep the plight of the downtrodden. She does focus on Black women, but actually her work extends across the board. She not only focuses on black women, but she focuses on working class people and people Mm -hmm. who are incarcerated. And I think for me, that's why I really admire her. She just keeps going. Lola, what what are your thoughts around Angela Davis and the work that she's done? I actually didn't know much about Angela Davis before we decided to talk about her. So I did a bit of research. And one of the things that stuck out to me, or should I say two of the things that stuck out to me, firstly, the fact that she grew up in a middle class neighborhood. And that was a surprise because the little that I did know about her was that she was an advocate. She was a bit of a revolutionary. I knew she had some sort of tenuous connection with the Black Panthers. And I also knew that she kind of fought for, or she was very much involved and interested in communism. So it surprised me because a lot of the times when we think about leadership, especially as women, 
you tend to think about someone who was raised a particular way and you look to move upwards in terms of social classes and hierarchy. So I was really impressed by the fact that this was a woman who grew up in, I guess, relative comfort for a black woman at the time, but she still wanted to fight for people that were less fortunate than her and people that had less than her. And I found that really inspiring. And then the other thing that stood out to me was the fact that she was very much involved in communism and she was also part of a movement of black communists as well which isn't something that that's very typically heard of so I was impressed by that and then obviously you know when you look at her career she's pretty much been an academic her whole life she's written she's taught very exemplary in terms of not how she lived but also the fact that she wanted to try and educate others. It's interesting that you bring up the middle class Backgrounds. Well, when I was just listening to you, they're thinking, yes, okay, yeah, she, she grew up in the middle class. But actually, if we think about middle class, growing up in middle class in Birmingham, Alabama in the 1960s, it wasn't exactly plain sailing. Birmingham, Alabama is where you had the church bombed with three young black girls. It was the center of revolution at that time. So for me, I think it, it doesn't surprise me that actually she did get involved in the revolution. One of the other things that I find interesting about Angela Davis is of the three women that we're speaking of today, she's the only one that's still alive. And it's fantastic that she's still very active. And because we are obviously women, we're a women-centered podcast, I really admire the fact that in 2017, she was made an honorary co-chair of the Women's March on Washington after Donald Trump had been inaugurated. Because... You know, many women, I'm sure, in the U.S. felt at that time that their reproductive rights and other rights would be under threat with the inauguration of a Republican president. And it speaks volumes to the fact that she was out there trying to make sure that, you know, women's voices would be heard. And she's still doing that now. And Josephine Baker was your choice, Ola. Tell us why. So for me, Josephine Baker is a stylish black woman, (laughs) to be honest. I know it sounds really shallow, but That's one of the first things that attracted me to her. Actually, my brother had gifted me for one of my birthdays an illustration of Josephine Baker. Um, I'd never heard of her before then. And along with that illustration, he also included a snippet of her biography of her life. And I thought, wow, this woman sounds really, really interesting. Again, immediately it was more the style. But then the more I read about her, there was a lot of depth there and substance. And I was just fascinated with what she had managed to accomplish in her life as a black woman. So basically she was born in poverty in St. Louis, Missouri in 1906. Her mother was a washerwoman and her father was a musician. Already that sounds like the makings of a great story. And I tend to really admire people that hustle and work, that have a strong work ethic. And she did. I mean, maybe she didn't have much of a choice because again, her family were quite poor. They had lots of children. So by the age of eight, she was cleaning houses and babysitting for wealthy families. Um, And then at 13, she ran away from home. She then began working as a waitress in a club. And uh, one of the things that was quite shocking for me was that at 13, not only had she ran away from home and started supporting herself, but she also got married and divorced within a matter of weeks, (laughs) which I found quite interesting. So she's already starting off having led a quite colorful life. But then in the 1920s, when she was working in the club, she got exposed to entertainment. So she went on a comedy tour in the US. She also got introduced to dancing and a bit of singing. So in the 
1890, she moved to France. And from then on out, she soon became one of Europe's most popular performers. And her career really took off in 1926. So she had a performance that was called La Folie du Jour. And this was where she danced in the banana skirt. And that's actually the illustration that my brother gave to me. And then from then on, obviously, she went on to do what you would expect most entertainers to do. She then went from dancing to singing to acting. She made a ton of money. So obviously, all of that is really impressive. The depth that I discovered was that she went on to really be involved in the fight against racism, especially going back to the US, her home country. And she actually participated alongside Martin Luther King in the March on Washington in 1963, which I had no idea about. And she was actually a speaker on that day. So that's what she did at home. And then in terms of abroad, well, her adopted home of France, she also got involved in the French resistance as well. She actually became, and actually this is probably something that I could peg to leadership. So when you think of leadership, it's the first person, right? It's the person in the front, but it's also a person that can maybe is a trail or do something that other people haven't done and that people would attempt to follow in their footsteps and she actually obviously led this really interesting life and she ended up dying in France and she was already a citizen by the time that she died but she also became the first American woman in history to be buried in France with military honors and that was because of the work that she'd done during the resistance. So much to admire about her in terms of like I said the very aesthetic and superficial style but also the depth and you know the sense of morality and the sense of wanting to help other people. And yeah when I think about Josephine Baker I before this episode definitely just thought about the entertainment side of her life and actually I did not have a very positive view of Josephine Baker because I think when I saw her dances, how she first came on the scene when she got to Paris, where she came onto the stage almost naked, being carried by this man and then did this really erotic dance. Whenever I watched that, I just thought that she's reinforcing the negative erotic stereotype we always have of black women. So reading a bit more around her, actually, I realized that There was a bit more to her than just, you know, her being on stage. She showed a lot of bravery. She was involved in the resistance movement, as you said, and she was on the front line. She used to smuggle messages across to the other side in her bra. That takes a lot for someone to get involved like that. And then the other thing that you said, leadership is not necessarily leading from the front. I think with her, her leadership came more from inspiring others. When she returned to the U.S., she wasn't as popular in the US as she was in Europe. But that did not stop her from joining the movement. She went to a restaurant, for example, where all the celebrities hang out. She took a bunch of other black people with her. She probably knew that when she went to that restaurant that she was not going to be well received and actually that she was not going to be served. But she went there just to make a point to raise awareness of the plight of black people to show that if as a black person even if you've made it to the heights that she had racism still existed and you can still face oppression so i think her leadership for me was a bit more subtle but it was there sonia what are your views on josephine I think I've watched a film about her and interestingly enough, I don't think the film focused or even touched on the civil rights stuff that she's done. So I only knew her as yet, this entertainer, and I didn't think much of her, but just listening to the credits that Lola has just listed, the things she's done, the things that she's been involved in is actually very impressive. I think the difference between herself and the likes of Angela Davis or Winnie Mandela is that you think of her as this entertainer and appreciate the contributions that she's made to civil rights movements in the same way with 
um, Angela Davis or Winnie Mandela or the likes of, of that groups of, of those types of groups of women. It's really impressive what she's done and I could see why, you know, you've chosen her as somebody for us to talk about. She was the most, in her time, most photographed woman in the world. And also she was the most well-paid woman in the world. Now to think that she was a black woman at a time when racism still prevalent and yet she was getting all this attention, that is a massive achievement. And that actually is a huge inspiration for other black women who wanted to get into the entertainment industry. The reason, I guess, why we focus very much on the entertainment side is because, again, what we read in the media, we don't really tend to dig deep into people. Most of the time it's what the media presents to us. At least that's my excuse why I didn't really know that much about her. I'm really glad that we are discussing her and yeah. that I found out a whole lot more about her. And didn't she raise the rainbow of kids, something like 10 or 13 kids? She adopted 12 children and she referred to them as her rainbow tribe. And that was basically her way of showing to people that it was part of her lifelong anti-racism message is to show people that no matter where you're from, we can live harmoniously together. Yeah, that was interesting yeah. because that, that presents yeah, another but... facet of her. Like you see her as the entertainer, this beautiful woman, but then you also see her as a nurturer. But within that as well, it's still the message of activism in a way. So if we move on to Winnie Mandela, I chose Winnie Mandela. There's so many, I guess, women that I could have selected. I decided to choose Winnie Mandela for this discussion because most of the time when we think about great women leaders we focus on american black women we never really think about african black women i thought it was really important to recognize the contribution that black african women have made that's part of the reason why i chose winnie mandela and i really 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 admire this woman i believe that she was stubborn she was very 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 resilient. She went through a lot during apartheid movement and she sacrificed a lot for her people to try and end the oppression that black South African faced. And so throughout her life, she's exhibited a lot of great leadership qualities. So she was born in a, a black family, in a, a relatively well-off family. Her father was a, a prince of the school where she went into. And he was wealthy enough to pay for her to go and study to be a social worker. And she became the first black female social worker in South Africa. And when she qualified, you'd find her on the streets of Soweto looking for destitute, homeless, elderly people, trying to get them into accommodation, trying to feed them. And sometimes she used her own money. So she was selfless from the beginning. And throughout the apartheid struggle, she remained selfless. She would arrange marches. She inspired other women to rise up and take action against the apartheid movement. When she was banished, she opened a clinic, she opened a crash, and also a soup kitchen for the poor people that live in Brantford, which is the city where she was banished. So she constantly had the people inside. She always thought about the people and the plight of the people. But on top of that, she was very resilient. She was arrested in between 1958 and 1985, 24 times and sent to prison on some of those occasions. Her longest prison sentence was 491 days. And whilst she was in prison at that time, she was tortured, she was beaten, she was put into solitary confinement for some of that incarceration. I struggle to think how I would have coped in that situation, even better how any person, man or woman really, would have coped in that situation. But she 
still came out fighting because she remained focused. She said, you know, you're not going to break me. I am going to continue. And because of her, the world never forgot about Nelson Mandela. She would inspire artists, writers and speakers who traveled abroad to go out and spread the word, ensure that the plight of the prisoners in Robben Island was in the forefront of people's minds. The fact that she was able to not only inspire people at home, but also inspire people abroad shows what a great leader she was. Mm. And I just wonder what you guys think of Mandela. I think similar to Josephine, I didn't really have an impression of her or the impression I had of her was based on, you've touched on this, is based on what the media portrays as this negative persona of this woman. But again, reading up on her in advance of this discussion, two things I took away from Winnie Mandela, which I really appreciate now, and you already talked about this, is her resilience. Interestingly enough, her name means someone who goes through trials and tribulations. That already is testament of who she is. And she's got this, she had this strength, you know, you've already touched on this, she fought against her apartheid government. Now, when I think about her, I think of this powerful woman. She's an activist. She's been on the forefront of fighting against people, and she wasn't afraid of the government. During her time, there were restrictions on black people getting an education. She was the first qualified black social worker in South Africa. I mean, think about that during the time when there was apartheid. So those are things that just shows how resilient and her strength to to fight on and not to give in to her oppressors or the what's been oppressed around her in her environment. So I find it really, really interesting to learn more about her. And like I said, my impression of her is now completely different. Yeah, similar to Sonia, I think when we talk about leadership and you think about the people that inhabit that role of a leader, we tend to focus more on the persona, right? The persona of a leader is strength, as you guys have talked about, resilience and superhuman ability to just basically be Teflon, you know, criticism doesn't get to you, people don't get to you, you just keep going on because you've got a mission. Um, And so one of the things that I find interesting about Winnie Mandela is, is she is an example of a woman who, much like you would typically see with a man, her persona overshadows everything else. And I think that's unfair sometimes because then you don't get the full representation of her as a person as well. But she actually started out as a social worker. I mean, that's what she studied in. That's what she was passionate about. Sonia mentioned it as well. So she was actually the first black medical social worker at a hospital in Johannesburg. I'm not going to try and pronounce the name of the hospital because I'm sure I'm going to get it wrong. So it also speaks to a moral code and also a level of empathy because it's not anyone that just decides that they want to help other people, you know, and go into a career of social work. And and it's not a a career that's very much rewarded either. Then the other thing similar to this is, again, is around her infamy, you know, the fact that she was arrested many, many times. I'm not even going to make it a gender thing, just anybody, man or woman. But imagine a year in solitary confinement being tortured at the same time, yet still going on to continue to fight, continue to be involved in activism, to be involved in what you believed in, and continue to be jailed, pretty much, because she still went back. And that is a level of strength and compassion. It's driven by compassion, because again, if you start out wanting to help people, even to your own cost and to your own discomfort, and you continue on in that anyway. I think that's just something that gets lost about her because, yeah, she just has this image or this persona of being this infamous, kind of like a Lady Macbeth figure, right? (laughs) When you think about the politics of it all. And yeah, there is a humanity there that I think is important because it, and it does exemplify leadership too. 
And I think the negative aspects of that's what's mainly emphasized by the media. But I think all of that was because all these people who are pointing out all these negative qualities had an agenda. First of all, you had the Africana Party, the National Party in South Africa. Here was this woman who was a thorn on their side. They needed to silence her. So they put out everything that was negative about her in the media. And then secondly, patriarchy in South Africa. Here was a woman who was, as far as the men are concerned, above her station. Because don't forget that when Nelson Mandela was sent to prison, most of the ANC leadership were also sent to prison with him or they were in exile. So she was really the only one who stayed in South Africa to lead the movement, to inspire people to join the movement. So she was very powerful by the time Nelson Mandela came out of prison. And the men did not want her in a position of leadership come time for power to transition to the black people in South Africa. There was a lot of negative information out there about her put out by the, the men who did not like her and who did not want her to get into position of leadership. Can I put a question to you guys? Just going back to what Jackie emphasized now on Winnie being the only woman because all the men had been sent to jail, but she was still out there fighting and not just for Winnie, but in general. And and, and don't, don't boo me for this, but I'm just curious because, okay, so Winnie Mandela, so she had over, I guess it was a four decade marriage to Nelson, but they actually only lived as husband and wife for a very short period of time. And then Josephine Baker had a, a string of husbands and she died unmarried, I believe. Angela Davis, again, I don't know much about her, but from what I understand, I don't think she necessarily was married. The incident that led to her arrest initially was due to man being on trial that she was rumored to be in love with. So <laughs> I just want to put the question to you guys. Do you think that as women, we can only really excel or find that energy of leadership when we're not necessarily held back by men? Or vice versa, do you think that when women are in long-term relationships with men, their not their ability to lead, but their compunction to lead is somewhat diminished because a man is involved? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know. I'm, I'm not trying to center men in this. It, it is about the women. I'm just curious because I find that a lot of the times when you read about women that have done amazing things, they don't tend to be in happy marriages. That aspect did not cross my mind at all. If anything, <laughs> I thought more that these women were propelled into positions of leadership because they were involved in struggle. See, really, for me, the men did not factor at all or feature at all in their struggle. I just thought that they developed these skills and they rose to prominence because they were all involved in the struggle. But it is interesting, the question you raise about men, and I'm right now trying to think about <laughs> a woman who's you know, been out there and who's had a strong man behind her. Margaret Thatcher, maybe. <laughs> I was actually thinking Hillary Clinton, but again, she's defamed. I, I just find it interesting. I feel as if when you're a woman within the context of a relationship with a man or a marriage, it's not often that you find yourself being regarded as a leader. And then when I think of the prominent women now, 2020, that are out there, that are recognized as leaders, three of them are coming to mind right now, <laughs> one of them being a woman of color, the men in their lives aren't necessarily loud sort of very present men you know they kind of fall into the background which so i just sorry which of these women are you thinking, thinking of? kamala harris 
who's currently nominated, well, she's in the running to be potentially the first female vice president in the US. I was thinking of the leader of New Zealand who had a great response to COVID and you don't really hear much about her husband. Yeah. (laughs) And I was also thinking about Angela Merkel as well. Maybe it's just my perspective on things. I think people like Winnie Mandela and the other person that came to my mind is Michelle Obama. They deconstruct that theory that the role of the woman comes secondary to that of the man. For example, for Michelle has mentored Obama and she's been like the backbone. of. Yes, she was established before he was. That's true. Exactly. So you see that. So I see she's a leader. She's got those skills. And the same thing with Winnie Mandela. I mean, I admire firstly their love story. And again, it reminds me of the Obamas. They both stood for something that they both believe in, something that they were both prepared to live or die for. And when he was in prison, she's the one who kept his name in the public eye. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for her, we don't know how his life would have turned out without her fighting and without her being that person. Then when I think of both their stories, I think that they really deconstruct that theory. That's my take on it. They do say that behind every great man is a good woman. That's a good example of that, that these men that became leaders had really strong, capable women beside them. And the Obamas is a good example. When does the woman get to shine? Is it when he is in a leadership position or is it after the fact? Do women even get recognized as leaders or do we just do the things we do and that's what's expected of women. I think women do get, they get recognised definitely, but I think Michelle Obama is a good example of that. I think after she was first lady, she just did what she did because the first lady has a role and a presence and she has expectations in terms of the causes that she's going to take up. So she has to just do that. And of course, being that she's first lady, she will be recognised for that. But I think it's unfair to say, well, that's the only reason why she's being recognized because she's pegged to a man that was president. But I think there are examples of women who have just been recognized as a leader. But for me, I feel as if for that to happen, you can never start by being known for being involved with a man who also was recognized as a leader. For a woman to be considered a great leader, is it necessary for her to be morally spotless? Because I think the women that we've discussed, well, well, perhaps with the exception of Angela Davis, they've kind of had quite checkered past, especially in the case of Winnie Mandela, they've been vilified for that. So do you think that it is necessary for a leader to be morally spotless? Well, we know that it's not for men, that's for sure. So if that's the case, no, it shouldn't be for women. I think as women, we put that pressure on ourselves. Do you think it's just us or do you think it's also people's perception of that. I think that women are expected to behave in a certain way. And also when they behave in a way that society doesn't expect, we automatically say, oh, she's taking on male qualities. What makes certain qualities male qualities? And I yeah. think that we are judged more harshly when we do certain things. For example, in the case of Winnie Mandela, there was a whole lot of criticism out there that she was a drunk or she was having extramarital affairs. But you know what? I don't blame her. Her husband was in prison for 27 years. What was she expected to do? And if Nelson Mandela was the one that was out there doing this, who wouldn't even know about it? Obviously, she did well. She became president of the ANC's Women League. Yes, there is that burden that society places on you, but you don't place that burden on yourself, regardless of what society thinks or expects. You're still going to go ahead and make those strides and do mm-hmm. the things you believe in and follow your dreams. So that's what I'm saying. I think more women would probably do that if they themselves didn't 
cave in to that pressure and feel like, well, I've done X, Y, and Z in my past, so therefore I'm not going to put myself forward. You're stopping yourself if that's what you say to yourself, because if you don't, you know, you do go forward and people will point out, well, you've done X, Y, and Z in your past, but if you don't allow that to stop you, which obviously Winnie is an example of a woman that didn't, I agree, society isn't fair and that's what society expects, but I think that the women that have broken through haven't really cared. And rightly so, I agree definitely yeah. that they shouldn't care. And yes, one other question then, uh, what lessons do you think we can learn from these women? I think the lessons that we can learn from all of the women that we've discussed today is the importance of self-belief and not letting other people's opinions and potential challenges stop you from doing what you think is right. But also I think that in terms of leadership as well, one of the biggest things is to be resilient and to know that what you're doing may be difficult, but you don't stop doing that to achieve your goals. I don't want to take up too much time, but if I just use Josephine Baker as an example, after she'd moved to France and had a lot of success and made a lot of money, she did go back home and she found that she wasn't accepted in the U.S., but that didn't stop her from trying to help out with civil rights and advance the cause of black people in the U.S., even though at that point she'd you know, moved to another country, she'd gotten citizenship and she could have just continued on with her charmed life at that point. So I think that's also something that's important as a leader. You keep doing the things that you believe are for the good of society and that, that may not always be in your own best interest, but you want to help people. And that's something that we can learn from not only Josephine, but also Angela and Winnie as well, because all of these women have maybe suffered as a consequence of wanting to help other people. I agree with you there, Lola. For me, all these three women, they're iconic leaders who defended human rights and fought against political, economic and social oppressions. I think many people opt not to do that. They opt not to fight against their oppressors. But few women like these three actually speak up against their oppressors and they fight for what they believe in. So that's something that I take away. And looking at their leadership skills, I think we've talked about resilience, we've talked about strength, we've talked about being committed and passionate and having integrity. And they all portray that in some way, shape or form. Um, so those are things I've learned from these three women and the things that I take away from them and things that I hope to to learn and embed in the way I carry myself. I mean, I really echo everything that you both have said. The main lesson I learned from these women is if you believe in something strongly, stick to your beliefs and the courage of your conviction will carry you forward. Especially from Josephine Baker, use whatever talent and means that you have to further your goals. I think these women showed a lot of courage. They sacrificed a lot for other people. And for me, I think that self-sacrifice really, really inspiring because they on to have really easy, simple lives, but actually they yeah. decided to put that aside and fight for the rights of others. And I really admire that in all three of these women. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. Thank you very much, ladies, for a very interesting discussion. And thank you very much, listeners, for joining us. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed listening to the episode as much as we enjoyed talking about these fantastic women. Please tune in next week when we discuss leading an NGO in Uganda. Until then, please do follow us on social media, Sisters, Friends and Guests on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And if you'd like to join the conversation, email us at sfgpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to tell your sisters and friends.